Okay, so uh, we are in our final week of our series, Big Questions, Biblical Answers. And so uh, tonight's question kind of coincides with last week's question. So last week's question we looked at is, is having anxiety and or depression a sin? And so tonight we're going to be looking at the question, as a Christian, how do we deal with suicide? How do we handle this? How do we respond to this? Uh, what, what do we say to people from Scripture to answer some of these things? And so uh, it's a very sensitive topic that we want to handle sensitively and lovingly and graciously, but also truthfully. Um, as we look at Scripture and we handle this, in fact, if you didn't know, May is, uh, is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so it's just kind of making awareness of just people that wrestle with mental health and just kind of what that looks like and helping things out. And um, so before we get started on, on, let's say, just kind of answering different questions about that, I just want to be very upfront and let you know this, is that, that if you are personally having suicidal thoughts or if you know of someone that is having suicidal thoughts or thinking about harming themselves, please reach out to someone. Like, please reach out to someone. Please let someone know ASAP. Know that you or that person are not alone, that you can always reach out to one of the leaders or myself or Rebecca, and that uh, we want to come alongside you and be with you every step of the way. In fact, uh, if you look on your notes on that is the suicide hotline. That is a 24-7, 365 hotline that you can always call. Um, I put my personal cell number on there, and for the ladies, I put Rebecca's personal cell number on there, that if you ever need to reach out to someone, I want you to know that you are never alone in this. And you can always reach out to one of us. We want to come alongside you and help in any way we can for this. Because uh, suicide is a very real thing. It's a sensitive thing, but it's a very real thing that, that we should be aware of and be able to know how to respond as Christians. And so um, just some of the facts looking up in regards to suicide is uh, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. In fact, in, in 2019, 47,511 Americans died by suicide. So that's, on average, about 130 suicides per day. And in fact, just I wanted to see, as far as Tennessee goes, our own state, what does that look like? And Tennessee ranks 20th in suicides amongst all of the 50 states in Washington, D.C. In fact, in Tennessee, suicide was the ninth leading cause of death um, in the state in 2020, and it was the third leading cause of death for people aged 10 to 24. And so it, it's hard to read these stats, um, but this is something that's very real. It's something that people deal with. Um, it's something possibly even one of us deals with, or you know of someone that, that's dealing with this. And so we as Christians must speak about this and bring gospel hope to this. In fact, when we look at Scripture, there's at least six specific instances that mention suicide in there. So there's, um, there's Abimelech, there's King Saul, there's King Saul's armor bearer, uh, there's Ahithophel, and there's Zimri and Judas. And so not only does Scripture mention these and have suicide in the Bible, but it also addresses suicide and provides hope for us. And so thankfully enough, the gospel speaks to this issue. And it offers hope to people who are wrestling with this, no matter how dark the mind seems to get, or no matter how dark life may seem to be, that we can speak gospel hope and gospel truth into that. And so that's what we want to look at tonight. And so um, let me pray for us, and then we will jump into this conversation. So let's pray first. Uh, dear Lord, I pray uh, as we just come before you and try to wrestle with this topic, uh, would you... 
just guide every word and action and help us with this. Uh, it's a very sensitive thing, but it's a very real thing. Um, but we're thankful that you are sovereignly in control of all of this, that, that you can redeem any situation, uh, that no dark is too dark for you that you cannot shine your light into. And so um, I pray if there's anyone in here that is, that is wrestling with just suicidal thoughts or anything else or thoughts of harming themselves, would you just meet them where they are? Would you give them uh, the courage to be able to speak up and have someone come alongside them that us as a church family can be able to bear this burden with them? to care and love for one another, that, that people will be able to seek help that they need. We thank you that we serve a Savior that, that has walked in our shoes and understands these things. So Lord, would you just help me be able to properly communicate all of these truths? Would you help us being able uh, to understand and grasp all these truths and continue to look to Jesus as our constant hope and example we live, uh, we live by and live for and to be able to point people to him and speak just the truth of the gospel into people's lives. So be glorified and honored uh, for the rest of this worship time together. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at four specific truths tonight in regards to suicide. And the first truth we're going to see is this, is that suicide is not the unforgivable sin. So, so suicide is not the unforgivable sin. So there are some people that, that have known the, re, the whole reason why maybe they don't decide to take their life is they think, okay, that is, that is unforgivable sin. Or people think, okay, since they are, since they are committing murder and are not, are not able to confess that sin um, before they die, then, then I, that is an unforgivable sin. But what I want us to look at is there is a verse that talks about there's only one unforgivable sin, and it's not suicide. It's found in Mark chapter 3, verses 28 and 29 where it says, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man, and whatever blaspheme, blasphemes they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. So the unforgivable sin is the sin of unbelief. So it's not believing in Christ is the ultimate unforgivable sin. The reason why is because Christ has come, and he's paid the penalty for all of our sins for all of time. He offers forgiveness to all. But it's up to us to respond to that and receive that forgiveness. So people that instead reject Christ and reject the Holy Spirit and reject the gospel, um, that is the sin of unbelief, which is, which is unforgivable. That's the unforgivable sin. Why? Because they have not received the gift of the gospel, which forgives all of their sins. Because um, again, some people think, okay, if they commit suicide, then they're committing murder, and then they never confessed or repented of that before they died, which means that was unforgiven sin. But we could also apply the same logic to other sins, because what if someone, let's say, lied and they didn't know about it before they died? Or if they committed other different sins and then died without ever confessing those? If we applied that same logic, then that means that would be unforgiven sin on that person. What we see is when, when someone repents of their sins and believe in Christ, they're eternally secure. We see in some of these. In Psalm 103, verse 12, it says, He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. Or it says in Hebrews 10, 17, that he remembers our lawless deeds no more. Or in 1 John 1, 9, it says he, will, he is faithful that if we confess our sins, he will forgive us of that. Or Ephesians 1, 7, that we have redemption, that we have forgiveness of our sins because of the blood of Christ. But more importantly, in Ephesians 1, 11 through 14, it talks about how if we have repented of our sins and if we have believed in Christ, then what happens is the Holy Spirit comes and indwells within us and eternally secures our salvation. So once you repent of your sins and you believe in Christ, 
Then you have the Holy Spirit come live within you. And it talks about how that's the down payment or the inheritance. Or the Holy Spirit seals us for all of eternity. So we are eternally secure because of the Holy Spirit, because of us believing what Christ did. And so the only unforgivable sin is not having faith in Christ, is having unbelief. That is the unforgivable sin. Um, but what I want us to look at next is this, though, is truth number two, is suicide still is a sin. Is that suicide is a sin. And so we see in Exodus 20, verse 13, and in Deuteronomy 5, verse 17, it talks about how that says, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit murder. So that is a commandment from the Old Testament. And then in Matthew 5, 21 through 22, Jesus pulls that same commandment into the New Testament, the New Covenant. And you said, you've heard it say before that you shall not commit murder. But I say to you that if you even have hatred in your heart for your brother, you've already committed murder. So Jesus is pulling that same commandment into the New Covenant, carrying that forward, saying murder is still a sin. And so we see a suicide is still a sin because what it is, is committing murder. It's committing self-murder. So suicide is a sin. But also something we want to see is that when it comes to suicide is we're trying to take our life into our own hands and we see that, that God is the giver and taker of life. So that's what it says in Job 1, 21, that he is the giver and taker of life. Or that in Hebrews 9, 27, that it's God is the one that appoints the day that a man should die and then face judgment for all that he's done. Or in Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16, that talks about how he's, he has knit us together in our mother's womb. He's uniquely made us and that he has established all of our days before we even took the first one. That God is the one that gives life. God is the one that establishes all of the days of our lives. God is the one that appoints the time that we no longer are alive and before him. So God is the one that establishes all of that. And so when we attempt to a suicide, we are, we are attempting to take the fate of our lives into our own hands which is only meant for God to be, uh, that is the only place for God to have. So we want to understand that, that suicide is a sin. Yes, it is a forgivable sin. It is a forgivable sin, uh, but it's still a sin. And so there's been some, they think, okay, well, even if suicide is a forgivable sin, and we, we are, let's say, um, sealed for all of eternity, and, and so if I can still do that, then I just want to, some people just think, I just want to not deal with the pain anymore. They just think, okay, I, I just... They're not thinking selfishly. They're just thinking, I just want the pain to stop, whether it be physically or mentally. But here's the encouragement we want to give as followers of Christ is the third truth. God has a purpose for our life. God has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. God absolutely has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. And so in, in Psalm 139, again, verses 13 through 16, it talks about how uh, again, that Christ or the God uniquely and wonderfully made us in our mother's womb. They established all of our days before us. He's planned every single one of those. That because God established all of those days, he established a meaning and purpose for every single one of those days. Even the days that seem dark, even some of those days that just seem awful, even some of those days that are just so difficult to get through, that there's a purpose for each and every one of those days. Or Ephesians 2.10, it says that we are, we are saved for good works, that we are saved by Christ in order to live out these good works that God has prepared for us. Or in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, it says, hey, if we're in Christ, we're a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And he's saying, you have been reconciled back to God. You've been reconciled back to God. And now you've been entrusted with this message and ministry of reconciliation. 
And so if we have, if we have repented of our sins and believed in Christ, we are now an ambassador for Christ. We're an ambassador for Christ. Um, we, get to, we get to live for Him. We get to point other people to Him. That we're imploring others on behalf of Christ to repent and believe in Christ and be made new. That we tell them, hey, Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. But there's some that, that, uh, there's some that look at a different verse in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, which is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, where they'll look at this verse and, and it says this. So it says, yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the, away from the body and at home with the Lord. That some will look at that and say, okay, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. And that if I just want to no longer deal with this pain and no longer deal with this suffering, then obviously if, if I no longer deal with that and I take my life, then I'll be present with the Lord. And that is one of the ways that Satan will twist Scripture. Will twist Scripture to, to mess with us on that. Because if we look at the next couple verses, this is what it says in verse 9. So whether we are at home, so whether we are at home with the Lord in heaven, or away, which means here on earth, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So while we are present on earth, God has a purpose for us every single day that we are here. That we're to make our aim every single day to please God. And what pleases God? It's for us to obey His commandments. We're to obey His commands. We're to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. That is what we are to do. And so think about this. Satan will twist that, saying, well, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. But here's the thing. If God has established every day of our life, and He has a purpose for our life, then Satan will want to do everything he can to try to stop that purpose. Stop that purpose for advancing the kingdom of God. Stop that purpose for advancing the gospel. That God's going to use you to impact other people that let's say myself or other students or other leaders might not ever be able to impact. And that is a beautiful, awesome thing that he's uniquely and wonderfully made each and every one of you, that he's divinely placed you in these different places. Why? So you'll make Christ's name known, so you'll point people to him, so you'll show that, that anyone can have this purpose. And in fact, that, that God can use all of us to make disciples of all nations. There's not, there's not, let's say, a specification of all the things you have to have on your resume. That if you repent and believe in Christ, you're an ambassador. It's not saying, well, you have to repent and believe and you can't, have, you can't be dealing with anxiety, or you can't be dealing with depression, or you can't be dealing with these issues. No, if you've repented and believed in Christ, you're an ambassador for Him and He can use you. He can use anyone. Regardless of how bad someone's mental health is, regardless of how dark things might seem around you, God can and will use anyone. In fact, it might just be the dark time that you or this person is going through right now in the midst of the struggle and difficulty that God might use to minister to others when they are going through a dark time, whether it be now or in the future. That here's the beautiful thing. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. No matter what our strengths or weaknesses are, no matter what our great days are or our terrible days are, God can and will use all of it to glorify Him and point people to Christ. So God has established and designated every day that we will live and has a purpose for each and every one of them. He foresaw them. So if He foresaw them, He is with you in every single one of them and will use every single day. In fact, it says in Romans 8.28, that says, All things work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to His purposes. So if we are in Christ, 
then we are called by God to his purposes. And he can use anything to point people to his glory. In fact, it says in Luke 1.37, it says, Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. So the encouragement from that is no matter how dark things might seem in someone's life, that it's not impossible for God to overcome that. No matter how, no matter how low we feel like we are, it's not impossible for God to use us. No matter what we're going through, it's not impossible for God. And that he's with us every step of the way. And the other encouragement, let's say that someone is not in Christ. No matter how far they might feel from God or how broken they feel, God can use any mess of someone and turn it into a message of his forgiveness and grace and glory and beauty and majesty. God can use any of that. That's a beautiful testimony to the power of God. So we got to see that God has a purpose for our lives. God has a purpose for every single one of us. And that we're to choose life every single time because God is with us and, and that we will live, be able to live life to the fullest. Why? Because we see in this fourth and final truth, Jesus understands and he is with us. Jesus understands and he is with us. Think about this. One of the greatest testimonies we see is in the life of Christ. That Jesus took on flesh and walked in our shoes. Like Jesus could have just come down for a weekend, died for our sins, forgave us for our sins, and just went back up into heaven. But instead, Jesus decided, he came down and he was born of a virgin and he lived a full life in submission to God. And living for him and for his glory, which means this shows that our life is meant to be lived. That our life is meant to be lived to the fullest in submission to God and for his glory and pointing people to him. So here's just some things that we can see. So in Hebrews 2, in Hebrews 2, 14 through 18, it says this, Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted." Or it says in Hebrews 3, uh, 14 through 16, that we have a great high priest that is able to empathize with us and understand us. That it says in Hebrews 13, 5, it says, He will never leave us nor forsake us. Or that we even see in Matthew 26, 38, like Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he is wrestling with the thought that, that he is about to go die on the cross for, for the sins of the entire world for all of time. He is, he is internally wrestling with this. Or in Isaiah 53, verses 2 through 3, it says, Jesus was a man of sorrow, acquainted with our grief. Why? Because he walked in our shoes. He took on flesh. He faced all the things that we faced, yet without sinning. He experienced everything we faced and can empathize with us. Like, let's, let's not breeze by this for a second. Like, think about it. The creator of everything we see around us, Everything we see, the creator who we saw in Psalm 139 that uniquely and wonderfully made us in our mother's womb, established all the days of our lives before we even took one, that is with us every step of the way, that he established every day. He walked among us and he walked in our shoes and endured everything we endured. 
So the creator of everything, the God of the entire universe, sees us in the middle of our darkness, in the middle of our struggles, and he says, I understand. I get it. That is, that, that, that's not this God that's just way far off and distant and just we can never understand him. No, he has come close to us. He has come to us and lived in the flesh and shown us. So he can say, I understand. I can empathize with you. And here's the beautiful thing. Jesus understands and he doesn't back away from suicidal thoughts or darkness that seems to hold our mind hostage. But in fact, Jesus moves towards those. Jesus moves towards that darkness. He moves towards people in the midst of their struggle. God is not disappointed in those things. God is not scared away by those things. In fact, God moves that much closer to us in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of people's struggles. He moves closer. And the beautiful thing is because Jesus understands, because Jesus has walked in our shoes, he can meet us in the deepest and darkest places of our hearts and redeem any aspect of it and walks with us every step of the way. We can place the weight of our entire lives, our entire souls into his nail-scarred hands because he will hold us fast, he will hold us secure, and he is with us every step of the way. Jesus understands that he is with us. Well, here's what I want us to do. For, for those maybe that you know someone who is suicidal, maybe you know someone that is wrestling with this, you know someone that's going through this, be present in their lives. Be continually present in their lives. Be active in their lives. R- remind them of the promises of Scripture. Remind them that Christ never leaves them nor forsakes them. Remind them that if they will trust in the Lord, if they will wait on the Lord, He will renew their strength. Remind them that, that their mercies are new every single day. Remind them that, that Jesus understands and is with them. Remind them that God established all the days and He's not forgotten them on this day. Be able to get them help. Be able to get them help when they need help. Be praying for them. Lift them up in prayer in Scripture. Or lift them up in prayer. Remind them of the truths from Scripture. Meet them where they are at. Just as Jesus would meet us wherever we're at, be willing to meet these people where they are at. Also know that you are not responsible for their actions or choices. That you're there to help them, you're there to point them to Christ, you're there to give them as much help as you can, but you are not ultimately responsible for their actions or choices. That we are just called to be faithful in pointing them to Christ and helping them get the help that they need. That is what we are to do as followers of Christ. That that might mean that they seek counseling and they seek help and they seek psychiatric help. That's okay. That we want to get them as much professional help as we can know that we are there with them every step of the way. That they are not alone in this. And know that if you are dealing with this or know someone's dealing with this, you are not alone in this. We, as the Las Casas family, want to come alongside you every step of the way. So, so how does the gospel respond to suicide? What can we say how the gospel speaks to this question? Well, we will know suicide is not an unforgivable sin. That, that only the sin of unbelief is the unforgivable sin. But we will know is suicide is still a sin and should not be committed. Suicide is still a sin and should not be committed. And when faced with suicide, we must always choose life because God has established our days and he is with every single one of those days. He established our days even before we took one. Even before we took our first breath, he established every single breath. 
And then when Satan tempts us with suicide, it should be a reminder of Satan trying to take us from our God-given task here on earth. That whenever Satan tries to plant that thought in our minds, it is trying to pull people away and try to remind us that God has a purpose for us while we're here on this earth. And that's to make Christ's name known, meaning Christ is with us every step of the way in that. Know that this depression, maybe that you or someone you know is dealing with, honestly could be the very thing that God uses in your life or their life to minister to someone else. To minister to someone else that's going through a difficulty, that's ministering to going to someone else that might be going through a hard times later in life. And it could be a gospel witness to them that you are not alone. No matter what life says, no matter how dark times get, no matter how difficult things get, no matter how much your mind, you wrestle with your mind in these thoughts, that you are not alone and that God will never leave you or forsake you. You are never alone in this. No matter how dark it seems to get, it is not dark to God. In fact, that's what we see earlier in Psalm 139 where, where David's saying, okay, where can I go to escape your presence? If I make my bed in the highest of highs in the mountains or, or the depths of Sheol, if I go the farthest west or the farthest east, or maybe even hiding in the dark, then maybe the darkness you won't be able to see. And it says, even the dark is not dark to you, God. So no matter how dark life seems to get, it's still not too dark for God. It is still not too dark that he can shine his light upon that situation and redeem it and be there every step of the way. That God will meet you in the midst of your darkness, wherever you are. That you are never too far gone from forgiveness. You are never too broken to be used by God. No matter, no matter how many lies you try to believe where, where Satan will say you are too broken or you've messed up too many times or you have too many issues you're wrestling with, no. If we have repented and believed in Christ, God sees the righteousness of his son upon us. That it's not about our abilities or how awesome we are. It's just about our availability to be used by God. And he will take that and use all of that. You'll be amazed that when he takes our weaknesses that we think there's no way God can. And he will use that to minister to other people beyond our wildest dreams that we can think of. Because as we saw in Luke, nothing is impossible for God. So God can use anything we have faced or in the midst of facing and use it for our good and for his glory. And that the power of the gospel is always stronger than the power of depression or anxiety or sin or guilt or shame or anything we might deal with, that the gospel is so much greater and so much more powerful and so much mightier and overcomes all of that. So I told you we come back to this passage and I just want to remind us of these truths from scripture. Remind us of these truths in 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, verses 7 through 12, that these are truths that, that we can remind ourselves, that we can remind people we know that might be going through this as a reminder of no matter how dark the times get, no matter how difficult times get, that Jesus is better, Jesus is greater, and that he is still with us every step of the way. So look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. 
The gospel is better. It will always be better. And will always be able to speak hope, no matter how dark a situation seems to get. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you just so much for today. Thank you for the truths of just your word. Thank you that your word will never return void. Thank you that there's forgiveness of sins found in the gospel. Thank you that that Jesus came and lived among us and he understands us and empathizes with us. We thank you that Jesus can meet us in our deepest, darkest places and will be there with us every step of the way and can redeem those. So, Lord, I I just pray right now for for anyone that is in the midst of of dealing with suicidal thoughts or in the midst of just a dark depression, would you just remind them right now that you are greater? Would you give them just a peace that is beyond understanding? Would you just give them a strength that can only come from you? Would you just remind them of just that, that you understand that they can cast all of their anxieties and cares upon you because you care about them deeply, so much that you sent your son to die on the cross and redeem us. We thank you that, that, Christ, that, you, that anyone can be used for Christ to make his name known. And would you help us just as followers of Christ, would you help us as the last cast as family to be able to minister to those people, to come alongside those people, that we won't, that we won't shy away from, from people that are battling these thoughts or in these dark times, but we will move closer to them with the love and grace of Christ, that we won't be judgmental, but we will be so full of grace and love to be there with them every step of the way. So, so I thank you for each and every one of these students. Would you help us continue to grow more as the followers of Christ you've called us to be? more of the family of God you've called us to be, and just uh, continue to make Christ's name known. We pray all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen.